Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and we'll be celebrating communion. This is Friday, I'm taping it on Sunday. If you can make it to church, uh, we'll be celebrating communion, but just letting you know. Uh, the Christmas communion, actually, but the title for today is Get Ready for Something Really Big. Something Really Big. 2 Kings 8, 1 and 2. I only got through two verses this time, as you'll see. Christmas is here, and in the Christmas story, God warns Joseph to leave the land of Israel in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where he says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. So we see that. in. But then God tells Joseph it's okay to go back again to the land of Israel. Matthew 2.19 where it says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So, we very interesting, God leads them out and leads them back again. We're going to see a very similar story today in the life of Elisha. We will see that, we will see God's warning, sending someone away, bringing someone back again. And we will see that God warns his people. What we're going to understand from today is that God warns his people when judgment is coming. He warns us to be prepared. And I think there's a lot of warnings for the USA today. For us who live in the USA today, we got to pay attention to what God is trying to tell us. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and open our hearts. And pray that if anybody has never put their faith in your son Jesus, that they would do that today. Right now, they would put their faith in you. Lord, just pray that, just pray that you would, um, uh, Help us to know what to do with all that's going on, all the craziness going on, that you would show us what to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's pick it up. 2 Kings 8, 1-2. 2 Kings 8, 1-2, and I'll read the verses here. Now, Elisha had said to the woman, whose son he had restored to life, Go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family moved away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. Okay? Now you see why I did what I did with Joseph and baby Jesus. Uh, we see God warning people and leading people. We're going to see that all throughout Scripture. But here, he, Elisha warns the woman and it says whose son was restored to life remember that remember we looked at that in second kings 4 spent several weeks on that the miracle boy she had a miracle boy uh it was a miracle that she could have the baby because she was too old and had never had a child before so the birth was a miracle and also he was brought back to life that was also a miracle the resurrection of this boy was a miracle we see the type obviously of jesus in this story the picture of jesus now remember this woman was a woman of incredible faith and faithfulness she helped take care of elisha and his ministry and now it appears that she's a widow her husband who was mentioned before in the story was part of the story before there's no hun- husband mentioned this time 
so very likely Elisha is looking out for her and her son. They're like family to him. He lived in lived in the upstairs of the house that they made a room for him, and he was very close to this woman and to her family, like one of the family. So he he warns. He shares what God has told him. He warns her that seven years of famine are coming. Seven years are coming. Now remember Elijah. When Elijah predicted a famine. How long did Elijah, Elijah's famine last? How long? Three and a half years. Three and a half years is how long this one, that one lasts. But this one, Elisha's famine, is going to last seven years. Seven years. Twice as long. Why is that? Because God was using the famine to warn uh, Ahab through Elijah. Three and a half years. They didn't take. It didn't take. They didn't get it. They had a, a, a temporary revival, but it didn't last long. As long as the, the fire came down from heaven and burned up the sacrifice, but then the rain came, put the fire out. And that's how long that revival lasted. And now we see that God sends one twice as long. When we ignore God's word, his prophetic warning, we ignore God's discipline. When we do that, God increases the intensity of our discipline process, okay? And if we ignore it too long, if we ignore God's warnings too long, we cross the line from discipline into judgment, into judgment. And those judgments also increase. Think of the the Exodus. In Exodus, the ten plagues, each plague got worse and worse, and finally the last one, they God killed the firstborn of Egypt, all the, every firstborn in every family. Terrible. The plagues were increasing in intensity. The book of Revelation, if you uh, have ever seen the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and then the seven bold judgments just keep increasing in intensity. The, the judgments increase as the people keep hardening their hearts to God. God keeps increasing the intensity of judgments. He does it with discipline with a Christian. He does it with judgment. <clears throat> now, it's interesting that he told this woman to leave Israel instead of miraculously providing for her in the land of Israel. Why God, why God did it differently. During Elijah's famine, remember Elijah's famine with the widow of Zarephath? This woman was provided for, even though it was outside of Israel, This God provided for that woman right where she was with Elijah, right there. She didn't have to go anywhere, but provided the miracle oil and the miracle flower. Remember that? How we studied that? We spent a lot of time on that one too. But here, instead of providing for <coughs> the, <coughs> the widow, <coughs> excuse me, instead of providing for the widow and Elisha together there with the miracle meal, God doesn't do that. He uses a different method. He says, get out of town. Get out of Israel. He, 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 uh, uses a different, he used, God uses different methods at different times to meet our needs, to take care of us, to perfect, per, protect us. He uses different methods, different times. Maybe because this was going to be seven years instead of three and a half years. Seven years, it was going to be very intense, going to be terrible time, going to be dangerous time to live in Israel, especially if you have this miracle meal. People find out about it. Uh, they find out that she has this food and her life could be in danger. They could rob her. They could attack her. Who knows? But God, God 
chooses to save her in a different way. And there's a spiritual lesson in here. Very important that we don't get stuck in a rut. We have to listen for God's leading. Just because he led one way at one time doesn't mean he's going to lead the same way at another time. We have to listen for his leading and figure out what he's trying to do in our life or in our ministry or in our family or in our country. We have to listen. Ministry, same thing. We we shouldn't just plug in what worked in the past. So this worked in the past, I'm just going to keep doing things the same way over and over again. We shouldn't just plug it in. Uh, we have to discern what God's strategy for today is. And it could be very, very different. The, the word doesn't change. Same word of God, but the strategy and the tactics have to change with the times. And God uses different ways. He uses the same word, but he uses different ministry methods to reach different uh, uh, at different times. He uses different times. <clears throat> so anyway, Elisha tells her to move. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, allergies, allergies. Wearing the mask is not helpful, believe me. So, for allergies. I'm not saying for COVID. I'm saying for allergies. I hope for, don't quote me on that. For allergies. Okay. So, so he tells her to move. So she moved to the land of the Philistines for seven years. This was a tough move. Seven years is a long time. Imagine if you were told you're going to have to leave your house for seven years. What would you take? What would you do? What would I do with my fossils? Where my, my sword, my fossils? What would we do with these, right? And so that's crazy. Imagine you had to leave everything for that long. What would you pack? What would you leave? Had to be hard. And God told her to move to a hostile place, to the land of the Philistines. That's their historic enemy. That would be today like saying, oh, I want you to move to communist Russia or communist China. You know, that would be what it would be like. It would be like, what? You want me to move there? That's crazy. You talk about faith. You talk about faith. She was willing to move whenever and wherever God led. Whenever and wherever God led her, she was willing to move. Are we willing? Better pay attention because we're going to be looking at some other connected dots. God warns his people whenever judgment is coming, whenever he's getting ready to move in judgment, he warns his people to move it. Whenever God is getting ready to move, he warns his people to move it. <laughs> move it or lose it, Flipper. Right? He says, move it or lose it. Uh, Jerusalem. Interesting. Jerusalem in 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem. I'm going to read some excerpts from an article by George Horton Jr. It says, Be ye also ready, the amazing Christian escape from the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, while when the Roman legions destroyed Judea and Jerusalem in 70 AD, Josephus says that more than 1 million Jews perished and nearly 100,000 were taken captive. Yet while the Jews suffered starvation, slaughter, and capture, their fellow Christians in Jerusalem, these are Christian Jews, obviously, they're still Jewish, uh, their fellow Christian Jews in Jerusalem escaped. How were the Christians spared? About 37 years before the destruction, Jesus had foretold the terrible events that would follow his death. He warned his followers to immediately flee Jerusalem when the signs he predicted occurred. The Christian community carefully watched for the signs and followed the Savior's warnings. Very interesting. Um, history reveals the stunning fact that the believers obeyed the warnings of Jesus, fled Jerusalem to a town called Pella, and thus saved themselves. The early Christian scholar Eusebius wrote, 
The whole body, however, of the church at Jerusalem, having been commanded by a divine revelation, given to men of approved piety there before the war. So they already had Jesus' words, but then some men gave, some uh, leaders gave prophetic warnings there before the war, removed from the city and dwelt at a certain town beyond the Jordan called Pella. Epiphanes also attested to the Christian escape. He says, another historian, he says, it's very remarkable that not a single Christian perished in the destruction of Jerusalem, although there were many there when Gallus invested the city. And had he persevered in the siege, he would soon have rendered himself master of it. But when he unexpectedly and unaccountably raised the siege, the Christians took the opportunity to escape. Vespian then came back, approaching with an army, and all who believed in Christ had left Jerusalem and fled the Pella and other places beyond the Jordan, so that they all marvelously escaped the general shipwreck of the country. Not one of them perished. So Gallus comes, something happened, they had to leave, obviously God's hand. The Christians got out of there quickly, they remembered the words of Jesus, they had prophetic words within the church, and then Vespian, the next guy comes back, General Vespian, and he wipes out Jerusalem, and the Christians were all spared. Pella must not have been the only destination of Christians, but it was the most prominent one at the time. The flight to Pella took place in AD 66 during the attack by Gallus. Four years later came the fall of Jerusalem. The, Titus laid siege to the, the, the capital and his batting rams broke down the great walls. The Jews who were already suffering from plunder, murder, pestilence, and famine among themselves were easy prey for the fire and sword of the 10th Roman legion. Jesus had given adequate warning and those who heeded the prophecies survived while others perished. Pella continued as an important Christian center for more than 70 years during the time that Jerusalem remained desolate. The Lord told us that signs that preceded the destruction of Jerusalem, now get this, and the temple shall occur again, including the abomination that causes desolation before Jesus comes back again, before the day of the Lord, before the tribulation. Jesus warns us that the same signs in the Christians who fled the Pella and other places, such as Antioch and later Eusebius, were saved. Would, will we be among them? Will we pay attention to the warnings that Jesus has? When God is getting ready to judge, when God is getting ready to move, he tells us to move it. He gives us the warnings that we need. His God's prophetic word. God's prophetic word is there for a vital reason. It warns us and prepares us for what is coming. That's God's prophetic word. When God is ready, getting ready to move, we'd better be ready to move too. We better be ready to move. We better move it or lose it, right? I have been doing a, a prophetic online series, making sense of this crazy world. I want to encourage you to start listening. It's on our uh, YouTube site. It's on our, um, it's on our, uh, it's on our church website. It's on iTunes. It's on Podbean. We have it on several different sites. You can, there's lots of different ways to access it. But the Mark 13, and I, I started with Mark 13 and Matthew 24, parts 1, 2, 3, and 4. I did uh, about, are we ready? Then I did the book of Daniel, and now I'm in the book of Revelation. I'm just finishing up chapter 3. I'm on the last 
of the seven churches, Laodicea. I'm just going to be doing that next week. That's where I am. But it's so important. What, what comes out as we, as I'm doing this study, and very important, I'm trying to get ready, people ready for what is coming to the USA today, what is coming to this world as we get closer to the time of the return of Jesus Christ. But what jumps out at us is as Christians, we should be prepared. We, I hope you're listening to that and watching this and you're prepared because we, we should be ready. We, we shouldn't be, we, we, sh- we, should, we should be ready. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to have to turn to it because I thought I had marked it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 4, he says, Now, brothers, about times or dates, I'm just going to do it by memory. Now, brothers, about times or dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. He's saying we can't know the times or dates when Jesus is going to come again, but we shouldn't be shocked. We can't pick the date and predict the date, but we shouldn't be surprised by it. The world's going to be surprised like a thief in the night. You know, we're going to be surprised by that, but we should, we should not be surprised because we should see the signs of it coming. We, God has given us plenty of warning. We have to connect the dots to what is going on in our world with, with God's word. I looked at, we looked at Matthew 24. <clears throat> in the study that I already put online, and Matthew 24, the birth pains and the contractions. I talked about birth pains and contractions. Are you ready? Parts 1, 2, 3, and 4 from Mark 13, Matthew 24. And I'll just give you a couple quick ones. I want to encourage you to listen to that. But birth pains is when the birth is coming. It's getting closer to Jesus coming again. And the contractions, you know what contractions do? They get more intense and closer together. That's a warning that the birth is coming. That's a warning that we have a tribulation coming. It's a warning that Jesus is going to be coming back soon. And I'm just going to read you a couple of verses. Matthew 24, where it says, <clears throat> Matthew 24, verse 3 to 8, talks about the birth pains. Um, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, <coughs> the disciples <coughs> came, came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. These are all the beginnings of birth pains. So we see the wars, the famines, the false Christ, the earthquakes, the natural disasters. Uh, check, 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 check. We, we, we know these are getting cl- more intense. World War One, World War Two, last century, first time ever, World War One, Two, Three could, might not be far behind the way things are going, right? 2020. Uh, and, and so we, we see these are just the beginning of birth pains, but what we're watching for are contractions. The contractions get more intense and closer together. If you've ever had a baby, Baby. I never have, but I've seen several born. Uh, uh, <laughs> lots of babies. 13 babies. All right. uh, so they get closer together and more intense. That is the sign that the baby is coming. And he goes on to talk about the contractions. Then, Verse 9, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. 
persecution and martyrdom. Are we seeing an increase? Oh yeah, all over the entire world, incredible numbers of, of martyrs, most ever in history. We know the contractions are getting closer together. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Here we are in the U.S. Christians are now hated. It's happening everywhere. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and be, hate each other. The apostasy. Woo! The, the church has become apostate in the West. We saw what happened in Europe. The USA is chasing their heels. The apostasy is here. We've, we've seen that many, many times. Once again, listen to my sermons online and you'll, I give a lot of different uh, details on this. Verse 11, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Anybody see any false prophets? False teachers everywhere. Turn on the TV set. Nine out of ten TV preachers are false teachers. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Is wicked increasing? Oh yeah. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't take a genius to see that. Just look at the USA alone. The love of most will grow cold. Verse 13, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all men. And then the end will come. The good, the positive ending is the gospel is going to reach the whole world. We're seeing that through the internet, through the, you know, the TV and radio and, and so many different ways. The, the, uh, Bible translators, the, the the Word of God is in almost every single language on, on, the, on the planet. It's crazy how this is happening. We're seeing the Great Commission uh, fulfilled, the worldwide evangelism. We're seeing that happen. We're there. Um, but also, just want to read, just to connect a few dots with all these prophetic signs and contractions, just 2020 alone, there's a ministry called Olive Tree Ministries that I like to read. And the top 10 Bible prophecy stories of 2020. This is just 2020. 2020, connect the dots to some of the things we just saw. Number one, the decline of America. That we are not in the book of Revelation. No, we can't find them. European Union can find Russia, can find the Muslim coalition with Russia. We can see China. No USA today. Uh, there's a revival of Roman empires there. We're not there. So decline of America. Number two, the rise of lawlessness, anarchy, and the spirit of the Antichrist. Every, <laughs> uh, where have we seen that? Number three, peace efforts in the Middle East. Looks encouraging, but yet we know that is a sign of the end times. Even though we're, we're glad there's peace, we know that that's what's setting up for when the Antichrist is going to finally really bring a false peace to the, the region. Number four, increasing attacks on Christians, Christianity, and churches. Worldwide, it's been brutal, and now we're even seeing the beginning birth pains of that here in the United States. Number five, growing apostasy and wolves among the flock. Is God exposing the false teachers? And this is a sign of prophecy, First Timothy 4.1. He's exposing this. Oh, all, all these people that we thought were evangelicals are being exposed as frauds. Hey, you know, we see so much going on. Listen to my series. Number six, pre-tribulation birth pains. What's what we're talking about right now. Number seven, the continued and rapid decline of the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rise, and number eight, the rise of strong delusion. For Second Thessalonians 2, God is sending this delusion because people refuse to love the truth. Unbelievable, the delusions we're seeing. Number nine, a, a COVID 
surveillance state worsen in preparation from the new world order. This, this new, the, the whole COVID and all that it has spawned it is preparing the world for the new world order and the, the, the one world government and the control of our lives. It's not hard to see, right? <clears throat> and then number 10, the longing for a savior. That's a positive thing coming out of it. So we, we see this God's prophetic word warns us about what is happening today. Connect the dots. What should we do? What should we do? Revelation 18.4 Jesus says, Come out of my people so that you will not share in her sins and so you will not receive any of her plagues. Jesus warns us, Come out of her, my people. Come out of the world. Get out of the world by getting the world out of us. That's the starting point. We, we have to keep our eyes open. <clears throat> Connect the dots to the USA today. It's obvious that tough times are coming. The contractions are getting closer together. Much of the world is even further ahead than we are. We're catching up fast. But we, we are already in the USA in a spiritual famine. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. If you didn't hear that one, listen to that. We are already in a spiritual famine. And a physical famine, the physical judgments are not far behind. We're already seeing the parts of it. You know, the fires and, and the hurricanes and, and you know, the COVID and all that's going on. And people say, oh, global warming, global warming. Whatever it is, God's in control. God is sending it. Whatever you want to blame it on. There's, Prince, Prince Harry the other day said, oh, this is Mother Nature getting her revenge. It's not Mother Nature. Sorry, Harry. It's not Mother Nature. It's Father God that's doing this. However you want to slice it. Uh, you know, it we're, we're seeing this. Like the, the physical judgments, famine judgments are not far behind. We're already seeing it with coronavirus, the shutdowns, the, the vaccinations. Uh, the, the, you're going to need these, this vaccination as proof before you can fly in an airplane or you're going to have to get some kind of pass. They're even talking about giving us these, these chips to tell us if we've had these vaccinations. They're going to inject us with these, some kind of a chip. That's, that's in some countries, they're talking about this. They're talking about bringing it. It's going to happen sooner or later. We know in the book of Revelation, 666, forehead, wrist. Uh, we don't know what exactly that means yet, but I'm telling you, I'm not putting anybody put a chip in me uh, because we don't know. And, and, but, the, but there's definitely the, the whole idea that the Antichrist is going to control the world. This is all preparing. All that you've seen happen in 2020, I'm not saying you shouldn't get a vaccination. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a mask and stay inside if that's what we're supposed to do. I am saying that's all being used to prepare us to be controlled by the Antichrist and the one world government and the one world religion, the one world system. We see it. Look who they're attacking now. Christians! Christians. Christians are the problem. They're openly talking about concentration camps to, to get us in line. Nobody's jumping them. Nobody's get what? You can't do that. The, the media just accepts it. The, the, the certain side of the spectrum is, is excited about this. They want to, the Babylon Bee, if you don't, Follow the Babylon Bee every morning. It's the first thing I read on my phone. I just read the headlines. Just the headlines. It's, it's all good, but the headlines alone, it's a couple of headlines. It's unbelievable. These guys are on. To, you want to know what's really going on? Read the Babylon Bee. It's a satire site, Christian satire, but, but it's not funny. They, it is funny, but it's not. They, they hit it right on the head. They, they call these concentration camps unity camps. They want to unify us with them. So they're going to have these unity camps. They want to brainwash us, right? And, and, and Christians are the problem. And they, and you can see this. It's, 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 you can see what's going to happen as we get closer to the end 
times that Christians are going to be the bad guys. The Supreme Court just had to rule against New York and California that churches can't be, you know, singled out for, for, you know, control. And, and everybody's all mad about that. Oh, these selfish Christians. Forget it. It's okay to be in a casino. It's okay to run your abortion clinics. It's okay to have your, run your marijuana dispensaries. But a church can't, you know, the church can't, you know, talk about God in a church, right? It, they, they, the Supreme Court, thank God, five to four, uh, Amy Comey, that, uh, God's doing, um, sorry, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, sorry, but uh, God had a, you know, God is the supreme judge, and he put Amy Comey Barrett in your place for a reason, for this, for such a time as this, and, and God, thank God, he just, the Supreme Court said you can't treat churches different from everybody else. They're not saying you churches get special privilege. You've got to treat them the same way as everybody else and a freedom of religion. So anyway, Christians are the problem. This election scenario. Look what's going on in the election. The election is not over. Mark my words. It is not over. And, and, and no matter what happens, Christians are going to... No matter what happens, it's going to get hot. Let's... Let's say that it just keeps on going and president, uh, we'll say Biden becomes the president. It's gonna be hot because they're gonna, there's, it's gonna increase the persecution of true Christians. Not the false apostate Christians who go along with, with all this garbage, but I'm talking about real Christians that go along with, that follow Jesus Christ in the Bible. It's gonna get hot. There's going to be persecution. But let's say that, that, uh, President Trump wins because that's a very strong possibility. The Supreme Court might end up deciding this election craziness is being exposed every day, more and more coming out every day. Let's say that he becomes president. It's going to be riots and we're going to still be attacked. They're going to burn the churches. They're going to, either way, Christians are going to get, they're going to get the blame. We're the bad guys. And it doesn't, if you don't believe that, open your eyes and start to watch the news and read the news and follow what's going on. But God is preparing us for what is coming. What are you preparing to do? God is preparing us for what is coming. What are you preparing to do? What are we preparing to do? We better prepare ourselves. Uh, it's tricky now. This is tricky. Preparation is very tricky. We're trying to figure out what should we do. How is God leading us? How is God leading us? Are we supposed to go to another country? Maybe. Are we supposed to, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Like the woman in Elisha, like baby Jesus? What are we supposed to do? It's tricky. Well, we should prepare. We should prepare physically, obviously. We better have the essentials ready at your fingertips, the food, the water, the medicines, you know, and have an emergency plan. Be ready to move if you need to move. You know, have some kind of a drill in place. Some may be able to get a safe house. Uh, maybe a cabin on a farm or something. I know people who already have those. They're ready to go. And if something happens, they're off to the farm or off to their cabin. Be ready to move out. I've heard of, of people uh, who know people, uh, neighbors that have already gotten, and they have some money, so they've already gotten places on islands, you know, safe havens on an island or, or underground bunkers or all kinds. People are pre preparing. I'm not even talking about Christians. There are people preparing 
they're saying so many Americans are moving right now. People are moving. They sense something is coming. That was this is secular news. Some, they sense something is coming. People are on the move. It's like you know, before the storm, the cows start running around the pasture. You know, they're they're on the move. They know something is coming. The animals start flying from tree to tree. All right, uh, but we we have to be we have to do what we can. We have to be ready to move at any time. We have to be ready to move out even if necessary. Maybe we have to move our investments. Uh, make sure our, our assets are accessible. Maybe we have to move physically. We maybe maybe you live in a place that's not going to be good when all this hits, and you may not have to start thinking a place where I can be prepared, a farm or something out more in the country, something safer. Uh, you know. Maybe. It's tricky, isn't it? What do we do? Do we all move? Do we all move to a safe place? I don't know. All I'm saying is we better be praying about being prepared physically, but most importantly, we better be prepared spiritually. Spiritually. Even more important. Uh, I have these online sermons I've been talking about. I hope you I hope you dig into them and be ready to listen to them, especially if we have another shutdown. You're going to have a lot of time, right? Uh, in prayer, Get in prayer, asking God, what should we do? What are you trying to do in us? Grow in our faith. Very important to grow in our faith now and, and to learn to live by faith now. Now. It's vital that the church is revived. And I'm talking our church, but all churches. It's important that Christians, the churches are revived. That's what's going to carry us through what is coming. Are we revived? This woman experienced revival. When? Her son was resurrected. He was dead. He was resurrected. He was revived. This woman experienced revival power, God's revival power. And that prepared her for this trial that she's going to face now, having to leave all for seven years. That revival power. Look at what, look at what was stressed in the chapter. The very first verse. Now, Elisha had said to the woman whose son had been restored to life, connected right away to the, the restoration, the restoration, the resurrection. It's connected. The revival is very, very important. The revival, we, we need to have personal revival that spreads to the church and hopefully spiritual awakening to the culture. But that revival is very important. God, before sends before he sends judgment, he often sends revival. Before the Civil War, there was a businessman's revival that swept the nation and prepared the nation to go. Both sides, north and south, soldiers lying wounded on the battlefield from north and south singing the same businessman hymns together while they were dying on the battlefield because God had used that revival to prepare the nation to survive the judgment that was coming and and prepared the Christians for what they were going to be called to go through. Revival is so, so important. And the most important step, the most important step is preparing, is to be prepared in our faith. And the most important step for that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Christ, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the most important step. There's going to be tough times. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? The only thing worse than going through these crazy times that we're going to go through, biblically, USA Today, biblically, end times, the book of Revelation, the only thing worse than going through those is going through those without Jesus Christ. Facing this without Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
God has warned us of our need to put our faith in Jesus Christ in the face of the coming wrath that is coming upon this planet. In the face of God's wrath that is going to judge this planet. He says we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The only way to avoid that wrath is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He has made that way. John 3.16 Back up a few verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you? God loved us so much that he gave his Son Jesus to die on the cross in our place. He rose from the dead to, to give us a brand new life. We have to believe in him. We have to put our faith. The word believe in the Greek means to put your total faith in. It's not intellectual. It's a heart faith. Complete dependence on. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? Are you prepared for this life, what we're going to face, and the next life? Are you prepared for that next life? We all The life doesn't end. We either go to heaven or we go to hell, depending on if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. God is getting ready to move. You don't have to be a prophet to figure this out. Look at what we've gone through in just one year. God is getting ready to move. Are we ready to move? Are we ready to move? Whenever wherever, to whomever God calls us. Move it or lose it. <laughs> are we ready to do that? And, and and say, God, I'm ready if you are. I'm ready whenever you are. I'm ready. Are we willing to pray that prayer of faith? And we're going to end with communion at church, but obviously not right now. But communion is the perfect ending to this, what we just studied, because we all need to commune with God. We all need to stay close. Communion is all about staying close to Jesus. We all need to stay close to Jesus for what we're going to go through. And even before this, we still need Jesus all every day, every minute, every second. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? How is God speaking to us? Maybe you're not ready to face what's coming because you haven't even been ready to face what has already happened. 2020 has left you like a trampled on the ground because you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. You haven't given your life to Him. But you can be ready now for now and forever. This life and forever the next life by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by giving your life to Jesus Christ, by becoming a child of God through His Son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can believe in Jesus right now. The prayer of faith, Jesus, I believe in You. I put my faith in You. You. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. Everything in my life that goes against your word, I turn away from that. I repent of it. I walk away from it. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in you. I give my life to you, Jesus.
If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you don't have to fight this battle alone ever again. Never alone again. You will always have Jesus to walk through it with you. From now, throughout all of eternity. And if you have prayed that prayer of faith and given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to let somebody know today. Maybe you have a friend or a family member or or somebody at work or somebody. Let somebody know today. And if you don't have anybody you can tell, then email me. nhcc at comcast.net New Hope Community Church nhcc at comcast.net And I will be excited for you and I'll encourage you. For those who are already Christians, how is God speaking to us? How is God warning us? How do we see God moving already? How is He calling us to move? To prepare, especially spiritually. How is he calling us to prepare? Start to pray, God, show me what are you doing and how should I get, show me how, I, show me how you're moving and show me how I should get moving. What are you, where are you calling me? How are you calling me? I'll go wherever, whenever. Show me how to be prepared physically, but most importantly, help me to prepare spiritually so that wherever I am, I can persevere through this trial. Father, we just really pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to to what you are doing and show us what you want us to do. And, And Lord, I pray that each of us would be ready to move whenever you call us to. Whenever you move, we're ready to move, Lord. However that is, wherever that is, Lord, I pray that for that in Jesus' name. Amen.